Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So you've all heard the stuff that's been said over the course of the offseason. You don't need for me to repeat it for you. The Georgia defense is not going to be anywhere near as good as it was last year, according to some. That's been kind of the thing that's out there. And I think just realistically speaking, there is a little bit of an understanding that, hey, anytime you have to replace like three first-round defensive uh, uh, tackles, you know, or defensive linemen, I should say, three first-round picks off your defensive line, a first-round pick off your linebacking core, a first-round pick from your secondary and safety Lewis scene, guys like N'Kobe Dean who won the Buckus Award. When you start making a list of all the players that Georgia is replacing off of its defense, it clearly is a challenge to put new guys either into the playing time those other players occupied, the leadership mantle those players have taken on, or just the overall level of production. Like Replacing that's not easy. I don't think we've ever pretended that it was. But at the same time, I think we have also kind of believed – that the degree to which George is likely to regress defensively because it doesn't have so many of the players that I mentioned a moment ago, I think around here we've sort of thought that might have been overstated just a bit. If it is present, it may not be present to the degree that some non-Georgia fans think it will be or perhaps hope that it is. And with that in mind, it kind of takes me back to Kirby Smart at SEC Media Days what was now, I guess, a a couple of weeks ago, and probably my favorite thing from Smart at Media Days. And one of the things I thought about Kirby when he was there at the podium uh, in Atlanta, the College Ball Hall of Fame, was it's almost like Smart took on the role of fact checker, if you will. He was fact checker checking facts because he kind of pushed back against some of the people who didn't think Stetson Bennett was very good and sort of pushed back against, you know, kind of uh, the idea that the team might be complacent coming off a national championship. And there were a lot of things that maybe Smart has heard that he felt the need to push back on. He kind of put himself in the role of fact checker. Well, maybe the most interesting version of that to me because of the fact that I think it's been one of the most uh, prevalent narratives that's kind of existed around Georgia and persisted throughout this offseason was when Smart stood up, stepped up, and kind of fact-checked the idea that maybe this Georgia defense was going to be very good and maybe that Georgia just sort of assumed it would kind of falter back towards the pack a little bit now that so many big names that dominated headlines a year ago were no longer around UGA for the upcoming year. Let me let you hear Kirby in his words on this, going back to media days a couple of weeks ago. This is Kirby. My expectation for our defense is to be fast and physical. Look, we, we, we don't shy away from the fact that, that we've had success on defense. And I, I, can't, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to recruit a kid and they said, well, they told us y'all weren't going to be any good on defense this year. You're losing everybody. They said that two years ago. They said that last year. They're saying that this year. Look, if you go recruit really good football players and they're fast and physical, you'll play good defense. I mean, you'll play good defense. And good defense sometimes is a, a – a loose term in college football right now because uh, giving up 20 sometimes is a good good defense and uh, we don't like to change our standards and we know we're going to have a good defense year in and year out it's just going to be different we're going to have different strengths and different weaknesses but Nolan will certainly be a big part of that so at the end there he references Nolan Smith we're gonna get to more of him in a moment obviously being asked about Nolan because Nolan was in attendance there at SEC media days but there's an aspect of what Smart says there that I really like because For a coach that's like as given to coach speak as almost anybody could be and the idea that everything should be downplayed and really no narrative should be bought into whatsoever, Kirby right there is almost like, I'm forced to acknowledge that, yes, we have a good defense every year, and I'm forced to acknowledge that, yes, we expect to be good here again this year too. You know, there's no amount of poor mouthing or sort of like Vince Dooley style, you know, uh, uh, a disregard for for press clippings things like that that's just simply not believable if Kirby were to do that about his defense so he's kind of acknowledging there of yes we expect to be good and he also does it as I said before from that sort of fact check perspective of man I got people telling recruits that we're not going to be good anymore because of all we've lost but guess what look at what we're still bringing back yes we come back expecting to have that same edge defensively this upcoming year that we've had before and frankly as someone who is a Georgia fan and someone who kind of just trying to follow all this stuff as closely as I possibly can, legitimately believe the Georgia defense this upcoming season still can be really good. Um, I'm glad to hear Kirby Smart kind of push back against that. I'm glad to have him offer 
what I believe is a little bit of a fact check against what I think is a little bit of a false narrative out there that somehow Georgia defensively is going to fall apart as I've said many times before if you pretend that the 2021 defense never existed if you just waved a magic wand and it disappeared something that a lot of rival fans wish they could do erase it from the record but just for the sake of conversation if we did do that and we only had to look at the 16 17 18 19 and 2020 version of the Georgia defense you would still see a pretty consistent track record of success so while this defense might not be as good as it was in 2021 it simply only needs to be as good as it needs to be in 2022 and the track record for Georgia prior to the national championship season I think suggests that all that's uh you know certainly really possible but at the end of that statement Kirby mentions Nolan Smith and I have to tell you I think that Nolan Smith is one of the most fascinating players for Georgia for the upcoming season. I think that Nolan represents what I sort of think of as a swing player for UGA. In other words, Kirby over and over again in the clip you just heard said, we expect to be good, we expect to be good, we expect to be good. Well, most of us would say, based on the preponderance of evidence from years and years and years, well, of course, Georgia's going to be good defensively. But last year, they were great. Last year, they were maybe greatest of all time. There's certainly an argument to be made for that. To me, Nolan is the kind of player that really swings the balance of, is this defense just good or is this defense great once again? And I'll tell you why. Because if you look at mock drafts, and yes, I know, mock drafts this far ahead of next spring are notoriously wrong. But there's still a little bit of a wisdom of crowds thing that goes on when you see the same stuff show up over and over and over again. To my knowledge, and some of you are a lot deeper into early mock drafts than I am, but to my knowledge, you basically see defensive lineman Jalen Carter at the front end of every one of these mock drafts. He is expected to be taken in the first round early on by virtually everybody who's trying to do this for a living on the internet keely ringo's not too far behind that that's a guy you also basically see in every first round of every way too early mock draft currently on the internet but a guy like nolan smith is sort of in some of them and not in some of them he sort of represents one of those guys that has a little bit of a wider dispersion rate for how good his season might be this year no one's already a good player but I think most of us would probably say he didn't come back to Georgia simply to be a good player he came back to Georgia to become a great player it's kind of like what Jordan Davis did a year ago he would have been obviously an attractive draft pick had he been in the 2021 draft but he came back for the 2021 season and became a first round pick uh Trayvon Walker would have been an attractive draft prospect much the same way he came back to Georgia became the number one overall pick Devontae Wyatt travels a similar path uh, uh Quay Walker at the linebacker position is probably a similar story these are guys that really helped their draft positioning by coming back for one more year at UGA and pretty clearly Nolan Smith's the kind of player who has the potential to be able to do just that and I think it's really cool in football how closely aligned individual and team goals sometimes seem to be if Nolan plays this year like a future first-round pick or like a eventual first-round pick next spring, then obviously Georgia will reap the benefits of that while Nolan Smith is on the field. And if Smith joins, you know, perennial selection for the first-round uh, Keely Ringo and perennial first-round uh, selection uh, Jalen Carter, if he joins them as another first-round pick on this Georgia defense, then guess what? This defense is great again, full stop. And a great Georgia defense means the team itself is great again, full stop. That is what is at stake for Nolan Smith here this season. He's the kind of player because of his athletic potential, because of the leadership quotient too, but because of his athletic potential that could swing the fortunes of the Georgia defense back in the direction of being great kind of like it was a year ago as Kirby Smart alluded to and when Nolan Smith was talking at SEC Media Days himself he was also kind of talking about the fact that the kind of development that he hopes to undergo this season is the kind of development that he has seen other players go through there at Georgia not want to say too much about his own you know uh I guess path on that but clearly noticing what's happened around him this was Nolan also from Media Days but under Coach Smart, you know, he only he only develops players each and every year to get better and plan their role and get more comfortable. And he he builds confidence in, in us through practice. So we practice the hardest practice you'll ever go through at Georgia. And I believe that. I've been here for four years. And it just prepares us for the next stage, the next level. And I just think, you know, you never can call. And I believe in superstition. So I don't want to say anything. 
So at the end there, he says, listen, I don't want to say too much about my own hope for moving on. I can sort of understand that, that that's kind of a big thing to sort of put out there in the universe. And you don't want to be like one of these guys that comes across as too cocky, basically calling your shot. Hey, I came back here to become a number one overall pick. You, you know, that's just not really no one's smile, a uh, style necessarily. But clearly, you're left to presume that's probably on his mind. And let me give you kind of one more point on this, because I'm sort of making the case right now that Nolan coming back, having the kind of great season that he has the potential to have would make the Georgia defense great, which would in turn make the team great here. And once again, a very big national championship contender. And if somehow he sort of slips below that standard, if somehow he kind of ends up being just a good player, then maybe Georgia itself as a team is sort of just a good team, kind of on the outside looking in of the national championship chase at the end of the season. Let's not lose sight of just how high his potential is viewed to be. I saw this the other day from our friends at Pro Football Focus, and I always feel like the, you know the need to attach the caveat to this, that Pro Football Focus is not everybody's cup of tea, and I totally understand that. Kirby Smart himself has sometimes been a little skeptical about some of the PFF scouting grades and numbers and things like that. But let me just give you kind of one thing here that at least points to what's possible for Nolan this season. Pro Football Focus ranked its top 25 edge rushers for the upcoming year. Now, they say this is not meant to be sort of a draft projection. This is just sort of a projection for how good they'll be on the football field in the upcoming college season, which is frankly the thing that we obviously care the most about around here there as well. You're probably not surprised to find out that Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama was the number one edge rusher in college football. I mean, even partisan Georgia fans like ourselves will admit that Anderson's a terrific player and we expect him to have a very big year for the Crimson Tide if he remains healthy. That's not shocking to find him at number one. But do you know who number two is on this list according to Pro Football Focus? Nolan Smith, the second best edge rusher in the country behind only Will Anderson. That's the kind of potential that the folks at PFF who are objective observers in all this. They're not inside the bubble of dog nation like we all are. They're objective observers to all this. And they see Nolan Smith as that player just below Will Anderson in terms of who's going to get it done from the edge rusher position. Well, guess what, folks? If Nolan Smith really is that good this upcoming season, then what Kirby said at media days is going to turn out to be correct. That this is, once again, a very good Georgia defense put together somewhat differently than last year's defense was but still on the path towards being great and taking the rest of this Georgia program with it there as well and for folks who are kind of either predicting or just flat out hoping that Georgia takes a major step back defensively guys like Nolan Smith may stand up this year and sort of stand up to prove that uh, that was wishful thinking on the part of folks who don't like UGA this Georgia defense if Nolan Smith has any say about it doesn't have any plans of going anywhere my name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Palo Window and Door of George, and we're glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video. We'll start at 945 for our first and 15 there at dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon. Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref. Just lots of ways for you to get in touch with the program. We're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. And by the way, big thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of George for making it all possible. You know, they equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. Man, let me tell you something. That matters, right? Because it's been raining pretty hard uh, a couple times here and there. And when these big storms come rolling through and that rain starts slapping against the uh, walls of your house, got poorly fitted you know windows and doors some of that water is actually kind of getting into the house you don't want that to happen uh that's what better windows and doors can do for you they can keep that the stuff on the outside where it's supposed to be on the outside of your house or that very expensive ac that if you're like me you have running overdrive like i'm outside a lot this time of year and so when i've been outside when i come back in sometimes i just sort of like to lay down next to the air conditioning vents and let them just sort of waft over me well guess what uh that ac expensive pumping that cold air into your house i don't want that sort of escaping out of poorly fitted windows and doors and that's what Pella Window and Door of George can help prevent for you there as well they do that kind of stuff for you, you talk to one of the Pella experts they can walk you through kind of a no pressure discussion about the right product for you the installation options for you and kind of all those sort of pricing and payment plans, everything else there as well, they're going to help you out with all of that. They also got great savings for you now, too, because between now and August 18th, you can get $200 off windows, $400 off doors, or payments as low as just $99 a month. So check them out online, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. 
That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. You can also give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. We're going to talk to John Stinchel here coming up in just a moment. I'm looking forward to this conversation with John. Some of this is going to be recruited relating around the offensive line, just in terms of, you know, kind of what John wants to see from that unit this upcoming year. Uh, some thoughts from him about, you know, kind of maybe how Stacey Searles is getting kind of acclimated to life here at UGA. And I kind of want to use some of this recruiting, I guess, fodder for a little bit of a discussion as we go around the doghouse, assisted today by our friends at AAA. You know, obviously, there's a little bit of chatter related to what might be going on with Georgia offensive line commit Bo Hughley. We'll certainly get to that here, maybe at some point in time. But let me talk about something else here uh, for a moment, too. You know, I saw where five-star running back Richard Young committed to Alabama over the weekend i'll show you the uh little social media graphic that young put out showing off those old and dusty national championship trophies not the brand new newly minted still uh shiny and pristine national championship trophy that was just won you know something from the ancient history books for alabama uh but nonetheless um richard young commits to alabama and obviously this got some georgia fans attention not so much because they thought young might come to uga because i really don't know really anybody who follows recruiting closely on the internet who was led to believe that Georgia's relationship with Young was very strong at all but what seemed to get some Georgia fans attention was is that Alabama still gets Richard Young uh, a few days after going out there and getting the the very surprising recruiting win for Justice Haynes that was the UGA legacy that was the guy that was supposed to be coming to Georgia and not only did Georgia not get Haynes Alabama did Alabama then turned around and got the twofer of also getting Richard Young there as well and listen here is the honest truth and nobody's a bigger Georgia fan than me and nobody likes talking to other big Georgia fans more than I do but that doesn't mean we can't be honest obviously Alabama getting Richard Young and Justice Haynes in this 2023 class that's a very good thing for them and it proves that Alabama remains a very formidable foe for Georgia on the recruiting trail that this remains stiff competition and the idea that Alabama was going to just sort of dissolve into nothing after having lost last year's national championship game clearly that's not true we never predicted it would be true but clearly that's not true that Alabama is just as much of an arch nemesis for uga now as it ever was before that's just the honest truth we're all honest with each other we don't have to 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 lie about that and wouldn't even be tempted to clearly alabama is still a factor but let me tell you what i've been hearing as of late that i just think is really dumb you see this a lot on social media it seems of nick saban took that national championship loss personally Oh, he's Georgia's done, gone, and done it now. Georgia's just done, gone, and done it. They beat Alabama for the national championship, and Nick Saban's going to make them pay. Like, what is the thought process behind that? Are we supposed to be led to believe that maybe Georgia regrets having won the national championship because it's sort of awoken some sort of sleeping giant in uh, Alabama coach Nick Saban because he's gotten, what, Dylan Lonegren and uh, Caleb Downs and the, the two running backs? I mean, is that is that what we're sort of led to believe? Because I find that to be pretty ludicrous if that's, you know, even the line of thinking that uh, people are kind of going down. And in fact, this is almost kind of what it reminds me of. Like, I grew up a huge Star Wars fan when I was a kid. Huge Star Wars fan. Loved all the Star Wars movies. And then there's that, there's that little showdown uh, at the end of episode four that kind of comes up to this is the original star wars that came out in 1977 for those of you who are not well versed in star wars culture they sort of re- they sort of uh, labeled the movies in sort of a weird o- order but episode four was the first movie that came out back in 1977 and there's a little bit of a showdown near the end of the movie between uh, darth vader and obi-wan kenobi spoiler alert here and in in my mind here it's almost like the way in which people are kind of drawing up the battle lines in current recruiting that in the clip i'm about to play for you kirby smart is darth vader and nick saban is obi-wan kenobi it's almost like that because of the current actions of the 2023 recruiting cycle there are a lot of people who are trying to make saban into obi-wan kenobi here as if georgia would want things to be any different than they currently are let me let you hear darth versus obi-wan as kind of a reminder your power's a weak old man. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I mean, that's kind of what this is, right? It's like there are a lot of people who uh, uh, watch recruiting 
who are trying to tell Kirby Smart, you can't win. Like, even when you beat Nick Saban, you still, by striking him down, make him more powerful than you could ever imagine, as if that were even true. Uh, I mean, all that's just really silly. silly. But I do like the idea of Kirby as Darth Vader telling, uh, <laughs> telling Nick Saban that he's become weak in his old age. I, I, I do like the idea of that. But I think it's silly, the idea of, oh, my gosh, Alabama, they're, they're fired up now. They may have lost the national championship trophy, but by striking them down, you only made Nick Saban more powerful than you could ever match. I find that to be all, all really silly. Yes, they got Richard Young. That's a really good running back. Yes, they got Caleb, uh, Caleb Downs. That's a really good player in state. Yes, they got Justice Haynes. Uh, that was a player, I re- you know, obviously most Georgia fans really wanted UGA to get. But this idea that Georgia fans expected Alabama to be anything other than a stiff challenger, that's just simply not a reality and much the same way Alabama is not backing down after having lost to Georgia Georgia shows no signs of slowing down having finally gotten over the hump and won the national championship this is a battle that's been being waged for years Alabama had the upper hand for a while on the field this past year Georgia took over that upper hand position and the battle is going to continue in recruiting and on the field and when you have formidable foes sometimes you win sometimes you lose But the notion that Georgia can't win, that it only makes Alabama more powerful when it finally gets ahead, that's the stuff of myths. That's not the stuff of uh, real life. So nonetheless, uh, that's Around the Doghouse. It's uh, assisted today by our friends at AAA. And by the way, speaking of AAA, good to know what they can do for you on the home insurance front. You know, we talked before about uh, taking care of our homes and doing things like that. Well, that also means really good home insurance there as well. And when you get your home insurance through AAA, there's a lot of great things you can get. One of those things is the disappearing deductible. Who doesn't like the idea of that? A deductible that uh, that goes away. On you. Well, your deductible can be reduced by $50 for every year you go claim-free up to $500. It's amazing savings. And it's just one of the reasons why I would recommend AAA as a great home insurance option for you. So here's what I need for you to do. Check out AAA.com slash home insurance. That's AAA.com slash home insurance. Or you can give them a call at 833-718-2075. That's 833-718-2075. And you can find a branch near you and take care of business on all of that. You can also go to their uh, website to find out more about the terms and conditions there as well. But big, big savings from AAA when you get your home insurance there through them. All right, before we're done today, we're going to announce our first winner of our Kroger five-star kid nomination. Uh, It's not a nomination. It's actual winner. We're going to give away uh, our first Kroger five-star kid winner a little bit later on today. That's going to be great stuff. Also, plenty more recruiting news out of the SEC. Want to get to you there as well. So we'll cover all of that. But for now, everything related to UGA is gets ready to start. It's uh, uh, fall camp, summer practices are coming up in just a couple of days. Dogs in Oregon right around the corner. Let's talk about it all with John Stinchcomb. Glad to have him and all of you with us here today. Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Say hello to John Stinchcomb here. Always happy to have him as a part of the program. And John, there's a lot of one I want to talk to you about related to UGA, but let me just kind of briefly bring you in on what I was discussing there a moment ago, which is, you know, Alabama has had a couple of big recruiting wins as of late. Caleb Downs, safety out of the state of Georgia. Um, it's a big time player. I mean, I, I don't mind telling you, I've seen Caleb play a few times in person. I think he's fabulous. I would love to have had him gone to UGA right now. He's going to Alabama. You know, you get a couple of big running backs to the tide, Richard Young, Justice Haynes. Listen, you, you know, sometimes you have to sort of, you know, give credit to a formidable foe. That's what Alabama remains. But this notion that somehow that Georgia's supposed to be afraid of Alabama after taking them down on the field a year ago and going head-to-head with them and recruiting gosh knows how many years now, all this is to me is a battle that's been waged for a while that's going to keep being waged into the future. You know, people have a tendency to want to kind of, you know, suggest that every move Nick Saban makes is some sort of checkmate against whoever he's competing with, whether it be Kirby Smart or or whatever else. I just simply uh, don't necessarily think that's the case, John. Well, you know what I love about Georgia fans is that we're never satisfied, right? That's right. It's, it's a, one of our greatest qualities. I think we demand and expect excellence across the board for in every aspect, and that's the way it should be. And uh, to think that we don't win on every single player that Georgia's trying to recruit and, and bring into Athens is the mentality that we've had for quite some time, and um, there is disappointment there, but 
I think a, a, a realistic expectation and recognition of the fact that Alabama hasn't been wiped off the map. I mean, they're still one of the premier programs in this country, if not the bell cow, uh, and has been for some time. And that's part of the frustration and consternation of dog fans is that, you know, it's, it's this gorilla in the room that doesn't seem to go away. But let's recognize the, the greatness of Georgia in this as well. Uh, yes, Alabama has had their wins. Uh, but Georgia has uh, we we've had some hits here recently uh, across the board, defensively specifically in, in this recruiting battle. So we're not going to win every player. I like that the expectation is that every great player should come to the University of Georgia, but realistically, that's not going to happen. So uh, understanding that Alabama has a, has a a good quality program that kids still want to be a part of. And, and know that Georgia is in the conversation for some of those same players, some of which we've won and some of which we've missed on. Uh, but not every team across this country can say what Georgia can in that we're, we're a part of that discussion and we've got a number of wins as well. Well, here's the thing too, John. You're a businessman, so I think you'll understand this, that let's say you've got a favorite restaurant. Well, guess what? I think most of us want our favorite restaurant to have some stiff competition because it makes our favorite restaurant better. If you've got an amusement park you like taking your kids to, you kind of want that amusement park to also have some competition to kind of make it better. You like pro wrestling. You like the pro wrestling organization you like to also have some competition because it just keeps the game sharp and keeps everybody at their best. Like I hate Alabama as a Georgia fan, but the presence of Alabama doing things at such a high level, honestly, is probably good for my favorite team, making sure that they don't slow down, they don't take days off, they don't lose their edge, that as much as you don't necessarily like your arch nemesis, and while Georgia's not really a rival with Alabama because they don't play all that frequently in the regular season, uh, clearly the Crimson Tide's been a huge nemesis to Georgia. The presence of that nemesis is probably a motivational factor, so its continued presence on the scene in some ways probably benefits UGA. It does. I mean, iron sharpens iron, right? And, yeah. and I'm going to reference Charles Grant. Charles Grant was a defensive end at Georgia and also New Orleans. We yeah. came in, you know, we're the same class of high school. I cannot say that I always loved going against Charles because tremendous athlete, great player, made for a lot of long days and sleepless nights for me uh, because of the practices that we had. But I can guarantee you that I would have not been close to the player that I was without him. And being able to push and have that bar that set, knowing that you know when fall camp rolls around, as, as many of these players are preparing for uh, coming up in, in the next few days, you have to have that bar set and know what you're gunning for. And if it's uh, sometimes competing against yourself isn't the best motivator. And, and to have that uh, that point on the horizon where you know what you're up against is a good thing and, and makes you better and hones your skills. That's the same thing for Georgia across the board, not only in recruiting, but what's, what they're going to have to produce on the field and, and the development that it's going to take. And uh, knowing that when the aspirations are a national championship and on a year-in, year-out basis, um, and what you're going to have to prepare for, Alabama is in that equation. And I think it only helps Georgia prepare to be the very best version of themselves that they can be. Let me talk about something else uh, for a moment, kind of on the same subject, at least a little bit. One of the things a lot of us who you know follow Georgia recruiting have been kind of paying attention to this week in the last few days is Bo Hughley, a Georgia offensive line commit who's been thought to be in heavy pursuit by Auburn here. And that seems to kind of swung back and forth. Uh, a little bit it seems like you know you know maybe at least a bullet dodge for a moment by Georgia there on that I'm not saying I'm not ask you to break down the future of Bo Hughley and where you think he's going to go but I am a little bit more curious about your thoughts on Stacey Searles with Searles playing such a pivotal role and trying to hold on to a guy like Hughley still trying to you know maybe win a recruiting battle for a guy like Monroe Freeling you got Connor Lou that's still out there that, that Georgia's got some big needs in recruiting when it comes to uh, this 2023 class I think there's an opportunity for the offensive line in the field this season to be a value add for UGA to take a step forward from where it was a year ago and the new coach 
kind of the same as the old coach because he's been here before but the new offensive line coach Stacy Searles is a big part of all of this right now you know remind us again John of your evaluation of Searles what you think he can be because he's got some big recruiting battles going on and a real need I think to, to make a great offensive line for the dogs once practices begin here in a couple of days where do you think Searles kind of stands in the middle of all this right now well, I think he's about to put forth his best recruiting tool, and that's the performance of this offensive line this season. And um, when when players come to visit, and uh, what are they going to do? What, what what does any player do? They talk to their peers, and when they see and talk to these players that uh, have had only a few months with Coach Searles, they may not know what to expect and what they're going to get. So I think the performance of this season is going to be his best recruiter and that the players are going to say uh, they're going to speak to his knowledge and speak to the development that they've had and uh, the preparation that they go through on a Monday through Friday basis to get ready for that game on Saturday. And they're going to be uh, the strongest advocates for Coach Searles. And you, you look at the evolution of that that position, that offensive line coaching position, from Coach Pittman to Coach Luke, and Coach Searles is walking into a place with big shoes to fill. Fill uh, similar to what Coach Luke did when uh, Coach Pittman decided to go to Arkansas. There is uh, an expectation for uh, very little drop off, if any, when you're when when the bar has been set with the nation's best offensive lineman coming to the University of Georgia and. I'm in agreement with you in the assessment that I think that Georgia can take a step forward offensively. Um, and, and one of those places can be the, the development of this offensive line. And recognizing that Justin Schaefer and Jamari Sawyer are already in the NFL. But I think as a group, this is a unit that can advance the position and that would be the strongest recruiter. I'd also say that we need to recognize that uh, until the names are in writing, it's it's these all these commitments are soft commitments, and it, it's an ongoing process of recruitment. No matter whether it's Bo or the next five star that Georgia either wants to recruit or, or retain, um, depending on where their commitment status is, until that name is is on the dotted line. And heck, guys, let's be honest, it, it extends past that now with the. Uh, transfer portal and, and everything that's going on with college football. So it's an ongoing process and very little is, is in stone even past the point of, of signing day. But uh, for Georgia specifically, I know I've hit a lot of places and I'm sure. bouncing around, but yeah. I think uh, Coach Cyril's greatest recruiting tool is about to take place in the next few months uh, leading up to December that that signing day, and that will be uh, the performance and development of some of these players across this offensive line and the step forward that they're going to take as a unit, which is my expectation. Talk about Nolan Smith before you joined us. I think of Nolan as a really swing player, John, for Georgia this season because Nolan's clearly a good player. There's no denying that he's already been that for Georgia. And as Kirby Smart said at SEC Media Days, the expectation of the Georgia defense is also to be good once again because Georgia almost always has a very good defense. But Nolan can be great he can be the linebacker version of what I think almost everybody thinks that Jalen Carter is along the defensive line and what maybe Keely Ringo is at the cornerback position two guys in Ringo and Carter's case who are found in every one of these early mock drafts as first round picks for next season that Nolan Smith could join that there as well and give Georgia kind of a third first round pick on defense which is pretty rare air to kind of be in that if Nolan is as great as he can be if he is one of the two or three best edge rushers in the season for this upcoming year then all of a sudden that swings the balance of Georgia there as well a good defense becomes great once again and a great Georgia defense paired with an offense that brings back its offensive coordinator its starting quarterback and many of the same weapons that allowed Georgia to be what 38 39 points per game a year ago top five in the nation offensive efficiency eighth in points scored per game 
all of a sudden full stop this is just a great team once again that that Nolan I think in a lot of ways could swing the fortunes of this season towards all of that and if somehow he kind of sort of stops at the level of just being good then maybe the Georgia team is just good there as well but to me a lot rests on how good of a season Nolan has this upcoming year how would you categorize all of that yeah I would say the Nolan Smith story is one of expectations and when you're the number one player coming out of high school, the expectations are uh, astronomically high. And the, the bar has been set to a point where you know, 99% of the players in that, in that sphere with revolutionary, game-changing, uh, organization-altering expectations for a player – uh, sometimes are, are out of reach. Let me tell you what Nolan Smith is. Nolan Smith is one of the best leaders that Georgia could have asked to re- return to this group. He's a, a one of the hardest workers on that team. His preparation and his knowledge of the game, the way he executes is exactly what you'd want from your leaders, and it, it infiltrates that entire program. So as younger guys that are – talented come a part of this and and they recognize that uh, a former number one recruit uh, coming out of high school is one of the first in last out doing the homework studying his craft on his p's and q's dominates at practice respects the game the way that he does that's a culture identifier that's a culture setter for georgia now performance on the field he's been a a what what at times has been a solid contributor. And what you're talking about is taking that to the next level. Is he capable of it? Absolutely. I'd also say that the way this Georgia defense is set up is similar to the offense in that it does not feature or center around one player. Uh, with the exception of, at times, Adam Anderson, you know, probably two years ago, where in situations they would create and design opportunities for him to be the playmaker that's not really the focus of this defense. It's, it's one based on all players contributing, and, and there are times where Nolan Smith asked to, to be in coverage. And does that affect your stat line at the end of the day for a, a, a sack rush, a pass rush, sack creator? Absolutely. Uh, but it's what the defense demands and asks of each one of those players, and it's to be sacrificial and uh, a contributor on a team level. And that's what Nolan has brought to the table for the past however many years at Georgia and will continue to do. So um, I think there's opportunity for him to kind of take his name, take his game to that next level. But I think realistic expectations are uh, for him to be more of the culture setter uh, for this defense and continue to be that selfless, player that that he's always been i mean you look at the number one draft pick in in the nfl this past year uh in trayvon walker and his stats don't jump off the page but his talent certainly does and it's because of his willingness to sacrifice and serve the defense as a whole first uh which contributed to his ability to play interior over a guard outside as an edge rusher whatever the the team needed that was his uh, his focus and his contribution, and it's similar to what the ask is of all the guys, and specifically Nolan heading into this season. I want to ask you about one more thing, John, before we let you go. Before that, though, let me give a quick shout out here. You may notice I'm wearing, if you're watching a video anyway, I'm wearing a Dog Nation Daily t shirt. These are some we've just kind of had made up, and some of our great sponsors are going to be represented on these. It just so happens today I'm actually wearing the Meriwether and Tharp version of our Dog Nation t shirt. Not playing favorites here, just so happens that's what I had available to me. And I uh, threw that on today. Obviously, we love our folks over at Meriwether and Tharp. They're a big part of our Dog Nation duck hunt tailgate they're going to be doing uh, there on September 3rd. They're really a big part of everything we do around here because they've been longtime friends of ours at Dog Nation. They're big UGA fans, so always fun to be with the folks there at Meriwether and Tharp. Unfortunately, the divorce process, the thing they handle for you, that's not always fun, but they can be your source for Georgia divorce. In fact, they should be. If you find yourself going through a divorce situation, it's important to act quickly and get all of your situation kind of taken care of and learn how the law can be used for your benefit. That's what Meriwether and Tharp can do for you. So find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That website, once again, theatlantadivorceteam.com. 
take advantage of their free resources, blog posts, podcasts, everything else. And if divorce is an unavoidable reality for you, having a strong advocate by your side is what you should do. And for us, that's our friends at Meriwether and Tharp. So please find them online, theatlantadivorcesteam.com for a lot more on that. All right, uh, John, I want to ask you about this. You know, Georgia begins fall camp here this week. And I think about this, and I don't mean to sound like the old man on the porch here, but it, it's amazing how different football kind of is now from back when you were in the NFL or when you were in college, because you do have the presence of the indoor facility now, right? And Georgia will practice some indoors, where I think when you were at Georgia, probably battling the heat was as, <laughs> as tough as battling Charles Grant would have been on a regular basis. <laughs> battling that heat was obviously probably the toughest foe you had to face. And Georgia will obviously practice plenty outside because you've got to be ready for some of those hot weather games near the beginning of the season. But how much does the does the ability to kind of go inside and at least have some practice in kind of a climate controlled environment? How does that kind of change things in some cases, make it better in other cases, you know, kind of, I guess, still require you to kind of go out there and see what you're all about when it's 100 degrees outside. But the, the presence of that indoor facility, how much does that change the nature of what preseason practice kind of looks like now? Uh, it's huge. I think it gives the coaching staff flexibility. Uh, you, you want the mental toughness aspect of having to go out and grind in one of those, you know, uh, oven situations where everyone's in pain. And, you know, in addition to being the second week of training camp and the one millionth practice that you're going through and everything hurts and you're feeling sorry for yourself and still have to have that mental fortitude to press through when, you know, everyone's looking at Ron Corson's uh, screen that says, you know, what the heat and humidity is and whether or not it's even legal to be out here. <laughs> uh, you, you want some of those practice, but you also want the opportunity to uh, focus on playing at an extremely high level. And there are times for both. There are times where you want the, we, we need to, create this mentally tough uh, attitude and, and approach to our game. And then there's times where we need to get work done. We need to work on the X's and O's and, and high-end execution piece and being able to eliminate one factor, and that factor being a huge one of, of weather and getting into an indoor facility and even in the middle of a practice and being able to kind of – uh, focus different pieces of, of what you're trying to execute on and uh, really hone in, it gives teams such great flexibility to, to be able to do both. Um, you know, uh, having been in in, I, in Athens, we didn't have an indoor facility. So it was one option. You either yeah. go out there and grind or uh, you go out there and grind. That was it. So in New Orleans, we had both and, 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 understanding as a player and especially after being done the opportunities that having both environments gives is a huge advantage at this point than other teams that only have one they can offer there are some teams that don't have the ability to go outside and it'd be borderline torturous um and and be able to push and and understand the importance of mental toughness in games and, and see how that will translate. And then on the other side, there are some that don't have the option to eliminate a factor and focus on X's and O's and execution and uh, high-end precision. So it's a huge asset. It's one that every team that has it, I'm sure, is, is very grateful for, and Georgia's no different in being able to utilize what both environments offer. And I want to make uh, quick on this because I know I've kept you long here, but the other thing, and I've heard people tell me this who've seen a lot of practices maybe you've seen this in your own eyes there as well there are certain guys that just practice better inside than they do outside that that the the mental challenge of being in the climate controlled building is just a little bit easier thing to get ready for than the extra challenge of dealing with the heat and i'm not gonna mention any names here uh but i mean that's what's been told to me is like yeah so and so is just practicing a lot better inside than he is outside right now and obviously you know a lot of these games this season we played outside in pretty intense heat not the season opener but plenty of games after that so finding a way to be outside the building which can be inside the building that's just a big part of the challenge at this time of year isn't it yeah i'll be honest with you ba there were times where i would want to take it outside because i wanted to turn it into a slug fest you know just this backstreet brawl everybody's tired but i'm mentally tougher than you situation i don't want it where 
you know, these Lamborghinis are coming in there and the conditions are perfect for them to just do nothing but straight gas. So, <laughs> yeah, there's all sorts of players that, that, you know, love coming inside because it's, yeah, everything is in in perfect condition. Right? That is such a good point. Yeah, just like let's let's turn it into a slop fest and go like big fat piggies and roll around in the heat. That so. is such a good point, John. Such a good point. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Thanks so much for being here. It's it's good to be able to talk to you, and we can't wait to uh, continue to do that as we get closer to the start of the season. Uh, we'll look forward to doing it in fact with you again next week there as well. Always a good time. Can't wait. About to get uh, into some real football. No doubt about that. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. I mean, what John said there is just so true, right? That, I mean, if you are, he said going up against Charles Grant, it's like, like, you want to let Charles Grant have pristine conditions, you know, perfect turf. 72 degree temperatures nah you want to be as hot as possible because maybe that'll slow a guy like that down a little bit turn into a street fight uh that from a strategic standpoint that might be the right way to go that is uh that is really fun and good stuff there from our buddy uh john stinchcomb we got some great sec news i want to give to you here before that though speaking of good stuff let's give that to you courtesy of our friends at royal caribbean now the cool thing is is a lot of you are always really good to do this you send me like stuff that you're enjoying with some of our sponsors and a lot of you've just gotten back from your own royal caribbean cruise vacation we're going to shout some of that kind of stuff out here this week i'm really excited about that but for others of you you've heard me talk about royal caribbean cruise vacations for a while maybe you've been on the fence about going look this is kind of one of those deals you need to be aware of this but deal i mean true deal here that your time to maybe make your decision to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, this is the week to do it because of a great sale that we have going on right now. Kids sale free with Royal Caribbean right now, plus 30% of off all gas. So if you've been kind of waiting for that right time to book your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, how about a kids sale free option for you that's going to take place this week and that ends at the end of this week here so you got to get on board you got to go with this uh make your decision and book your travel you don't have to obviously leave on the cruise this week you just have to book the cruise this week there's all kinds of you know uh options available to you you got to check more about that out but the kids sail free with 30 percent off all uh gas going on right now so check out our friends at the cruise and vacation authority tc ava.com that's the website tcava.com you can also give them a call 770-952-8300 770-952-8300 this is one of the big sales uh that gives you a chance to get a great price on a great royal caribbean cruise vacation so as you're as you're thinking about when you want to be out there on the seas of the royal caribbean great chance for you to do that right now with a big kid sale free option 30 percent off guest option there so check that out with our friends the cruise and vacation authority one more time tcava.com that's the website 770-952-8300 that is the phone number so i'm going to give you some of the uh, stuff that we have planned here including a pretty big recruiting roundup in a moment before that though we continue to have i guess leaks coming out from uh, john talty who's writer for al.com who's partnering with nick saban on a new book and as a way of kind of generating interest in the book you know talty's kind of giving out some details that he got from saban on i want to show you this one tweet from talty as it relates to saban because i want to make kind of point about this we're talking about saban as a recruiter a little earlier in the show and so what john talty says in his first meeting at alabama as head coach nick saban wanted everybody in the building to be there coaches staffers janitors etc he immediately established the top priority for his program here's the quote everything we do is about recruiting saban said everything that we do now let me make a quick point about this that's what saban said to start his program and really he takes the job in 2007 in 2008 they put together what may have been one of the greatest classes of all time at that point in time so it didn't take very long for them to start reaping those big recruiting benefits but here's the thing i think that sometimes more than one thing can be true at one time on the one hand i think that nick saban has established himself as the best college football coach of all time one of the best coaches across the board period of all time and i think he should be given credit for that and i also think that the way in which all that has been established during his time in alabama i do think it should be studied i this i mean i'm not certainly you know telling you to go run out and buy this book and read it but i do think books like this can be pretty interesting in terms of understanding someone who's had great success there are principles that saban has leveraged in his own life that we probably should be paying attention to for our own lives most of us want to be more successful you know with our relationships our finances our health things like that you know 
you know, following a path of someone who's done that kind of thing and done it to a high level, we should study that. I think Saban's worth studying. But there's one thing I do sort of believe, and I think this book is kind of an example of this, is that people have a tendency to think, well, everything that's ever happened at Alabama has all been part of Nick Saban's master plan, including, you know, this idea when he first takes the job. Everything we're going we to do is going to be about recruiting. And that's kind of the case until it wasn't. You remember after the 2018 signing class when Alabama kind of dipped down into what, eighth in the country after having been number one year, 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 year? They went heavy with a much uh, more aggressive recruiting staff than they had in place prior to that. And the results on the field weren't very good. When they, when they leaned really heavy into recruiting at the end of the 2018 uh, uh, signing class, they went out and got waxed by Clemson, the 2018 National Championship game. And then suddenly the next year, they had an entirely different staff that was kind of leaning away from recruiting and kind of leaning more into what they thought was going to be on-field development. All of a sudden, Nick Saban sort of felt like his on-field development wasn't what it was supposed to be. You know, this idea that Nick Saban has always had this sort of same master plan and this same uninterrupted you know vision for the future. The truth is, is that he's been tweaking and making changes along the way. And in the moment, some of what Saban did, he wasn't sure quite if it was going to work out or he wasn't sure if it was going to succeed at all. I mean, the other thing that's going to come out from John Talty the other day was the idea that Saban was going to leave college coaching after the 2013 season. And it's very hard to go back and kind of put ourselves in the picture of what life was like for Nick Saban back then. Saban had lost to Kevin Sumlin in the 2012 season, even though they went on to win the national championship, but he lost to Johnny Manziel and Kevin Sumlin when the Aggies came into Tuscaloosa, uh, had lost to a first-year coach, Gus Malzahn, in 2013. There was a little bit of chatter at the time that the game was changing faster than Nick Saban could keep up with. This was before bringing in Lane Kiffin as offensive coordinator and things like that. And it's sort of kind of from a survivor bias perspective now, sort of uh, told that, you know, this was all part of Nick Saban's plan, that he was trying to make people think he was going to evolve and then he was evolving more than anybody else was. Well, apparently he wasn't so sure about his own ability to evolve if you take John Talty seriously because he was thinking about leaving coaching all the way around. It's almost as if the transformation occurring around college football was potentially pushing Saban out at Alabama, that that's kind of the way that was sort of playing out there but eventually you know he stuck around he's obviously had great success really the best years of his career kind of came after that decision to almost leave in 2013 if you if you do take John Talty seriously my point is simply this Saban is the greatest and I don't think that there'd be much argument from us that that's you know true I mean it's just he just clearly is the greatest college ball coach of all time based on his accomplishments but he is also like everybody else just a guy who year after year is just trying to figure it out a coaching staff more geared towards recruiting one year now we need a little bit more player development so you change your staff for that or you adopt with the times you change with the times and you try to do the best you can it hasn't all worked out perfectly for Saban at times he sort of veered too far in one direction it would seem but the end result of these adjustments the end result of these evolutions has obviously created you know great success it's I think it's just kind of important to keep that in mind that this is not a man without flaws this is not a man without imperfections this is not a man who's always had it all figured out he has worked to figure it out over the course of his career and that's the explanation for the success that he's had uh, another interesting quote there from John Talty on that all right very quickly a couple things here and I'll make this you know somewhat uh, shorter than I necessarily plan to couple of big weekends for SEC teams in recruiting a lot of momentum it would seem for the Florida Gators right now uh they picked up a lot of sort of four-star recruits over the weekend maybe Aiden Mizell the the number one example of that not the singer of let it go from frozen but um a, a different <laughs> a different person all the way around and this is the guy that had to brought the two alligators right for the for the commitment ceremony uh, you may have seen this. The Gators, though, did have their mouths taped shut. So much like Florida on the field, all for show, no real bite. But nonetheless, Mizell goes along with really a handful of other pretty big commitment wins for the Gators over the weekend. So a Florida team that at one point in time really had no momentum whatsoever in recruiting to the point where Florida fans were panicked and Billy Napier was kind of writing hand, you know, sort of uh, uh, open letters to calm them down. Well, maybe Florida kind of pushed the the fans, kind of pushed the program the direction needed to go because they've been recruiting much better since then, including a big high-profile decommit from Ohio State that seems to have a little bit of a Gator love here too. So maybe Florida 
getting a little momentum going in recruiting. Same thing kind of going on there with uh, Texas A&M, too. They'd been very quiet, very dormant thus far in the 2023 recruiting cycle, had not really flexed very many muscles at all. We talked about on Friday about hosting Malachi Nelson. They also what bring in Chase Basantis. Uh, that's a four-star uh, offensive tackle. Uh, Anthony Hill, that's a big-time linebacker. Dalton Brooks, uh, a big-time four-star uh, um, oh, is that safety prospect. Is that right? And then another offensive lineman, uh, Colton Thompson. Uh, so they've had you know some big recruiting wins here as of late, taking some commits after really kind of not doing much. I don't know if this is an example of somehow the NIL purse strings just got kind of loosened again after not really being that way before. I think the key takeaway here is is that everybody with every recruiting headline wants to say, okay, well, this is what the clear narrative is. But I think right now what we see in the 2023 recruiting cycle, it's a little bit like that line, is it the the multiverse from uh, Marvel that it's everything, everywhere, all at once? That's kind of what the 2023 recruiting cycle is. It's sort of everything, everywhere, all at once. And it's sort of hard to know what all of this means. In some cases, you even have con, con, uh, contradicting type things going on. Like Alabama's had some recruiting wins, but they've also lost some players they went real heavy on and didn't get them. So in terms of the clear momentum, the clear winners in recruiting, I think it's too early to say all of that. This is clearly a very difficult cycle to to predict and the fact that certain things seem to be happening very fast when they do happen and in some cases things are moving in one direction only to abruptly change go in a different direction uh it's not clear to me yet where all of this is heading in terms of final rankings and who's going to really be standing out as the true winner here but no doubt over the weekend aggies gators they do have themselves a pretty good weekend there that's worth mentioning a couple of other things real quick uh brett mcmurphy now from the as the Action Network, I guess he works for, the gambling website, reporting that it's likely that Dan Mullen, the Florida coach, takes a job at ESPN as an analyst for a year. Oftentimes, this is what coaches do to get ready for their next coaching job. I'm honestly not sure what level Dan Mullen returns to when he does coach. He obviously had some success at Florida, but the way that which he left was certainly very, you know, I think diminishing of his coaching reputation. The question I've kind of asked before, and I don't mean this rhetorically, I mean this literally, if Mike Leach wasn't at Mississippi State anymore, could Mullen get that job back? Did Mullen perform so poorly at Florida in terms of his recruiting and the way he handles the media and everything else that a school like Mississippi State would even want him back? I'm talking about that sort of mid-level SEC program. Uh, would a program like that still want Dan Mullen? Maybe they would. I'm not quite so sure. Maybe a year kind of makes people forget just how ugly it got for him at the end there at Florida. But uh, Mullen taking a little time off, it sounds like. McMurphy suggesting he could work in TV. I guess his analyst analysis work uh, from the past postseason got some decent reviews. So maybe he'll be good on TV. I'm not quite so sure. Uh, but it sounds like a little bit of a stop over there on TV before he finds his next coaching job. Uh, Josh Heupel gave an update on Brew McCoy. And I'll admit something here. There's so much wild and crazy transfer stuff going on. The rules seem to be non-existent. I never know who's eligible and who's not anymore. McCoy, who's what transferred back and forth between Texas and USC, what seems like a half dozen times, uh, you know, transferred to Tennessee. Uh, I guess as of now, McCoy, former five star by the way, is not currently eligible, but Tennessee's petitioning so that he can be. This is just one of those things, kind of the byproduct of sort of the lawless age in which we live. It's sort of hard to know who is playing and who's not and who's eligible and who isn't. But I guess Tennessee is still hoping to get some good news for a pretty high-profile transfer of McCoy to kind of bolster that wide receiver situation for the Vols, who expects to be you know, high power in offense. And then finally, speaking of receivers, Anaya Smith, who was arrested on what? Uh, a couple of charges, including DWI, prior to SEC Media Day, supposed to attend with the Aggies there that day, not able to uh, because of the arrest, um, has had all his charges dropped. So things are all clear on the Smith front. Charges dropped. Looks like he's good to go, a player in good standing for the Aggies for the upcoming season. For a program who needs a big boost there on offense, uh, Smith might be able to provide that. And now, the distraction of of any kind of like criminal charges or anything like that that seems to be uh completely gone away for him so high profile arrest but charges have now been dropped on anaya smith the wide receiver there for texas a&m will make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and we love this week because it is our chance to announce our kroger 
five-star kids winners. School starting back. Uh, some folks going back today. My kids go back in a few days. And celebrating our winners, uh, just a great time to be able to do that. We've gotten so many great submissions. I've had a chance to read some of those. And we've had people who've been reading all of them and drawing those winners at random. Let me announce our winner today. It's Bennett Grismore here. Bennett uh, was nominated by his father, Grant. You see Bennett right there in the middle holding that football and the beautiful picture. What a good-looking family that is for sure. Uh, that he's not named after the Stetson Bennett. Uh, that, that's the father lets us know that. Um, uh, or I, I should say that he is named after Stetson, but not because he won the national championship, but because of what he did on the 2017 scout team. That's amazing. This is some true Georgia fan credentials right here. Uh, naming your son Bennett because of how well he played for uh, Stetson did as the 2017 scout team quarterback, getting Georgia ready for that run to the college football playoff. Uh, that's a really cool thing. And what a great looking Georgia family here. Bennett holding the football. You get the Georgia red and black all the way around. What a uh, good-looking family and a great winner today. Congratulations to Bennett Grissomore, one of our Kroger five-star kids. And so uh, as you get ready to go back to school, we're wishing you all uh, great success with that. Don't forget all your back-to-school needs are right there at Kroger. So uh, make sure you check that out at your local Kroger. They're getting you stocked up and ready to go. We'll have more five-star kid winners here throughout the week. But Bennett Grismore, our winner today, the first of our Kroger five-star kids. So Bennett, congratulations to you and what a cool name you have and a great legacy you have to live into there on all of that. So that's really fun stuff. Uh, really good. Bennett, congratulations. What a cool story for how that name came to be. That is uh, really terrific. Something else is really terrific, a chance to give out some golden shoes. And by the way, speaking of Stetson Bennett, a golden shoe themed around Bennett today. Popular meme you've seen a lot of people take their turn with. Uh, the interaction between <laughs> John Daly and Tiger Woods. Uh, so on the one side, you see... Uh, Tiger Woods is Spencer Rattler, a five-star, especially Spencer Rattler, a five-star quarterback, got his own reality show, Heisman hopeful. On the other side, you see Stetson Bennett, the walk-on, the national champion MVP, also giving drunk interviews, allegedly going back to Good Morning America at the national championship. But a pretty fun rendition of the meetup between Daly and Tiger there at the British Open. Good stuff from Joshua Campbell. We'll make Joshua our golden shoe winner for today and obviously kind of a fun take on what has been a fun meme out there for a lot of folks gator hater updater how about a long national title drought now 4,953 days for those lousy stinking gators and our gator hater countdown just 89 days from right now georgia beats florida again we'll make that our gator hater countdown and we'll see you tomorrow here on dog nation daily presented by Pella window and door of georgia and on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll take your comments here on Twitter, at Dog Nation Daily, or in the comment section, uh, at DogNation.com. I got a, a good um, question from our buddy, uh, Sacktown In, on Twitter. Uh, he says, was Brock Bauer's freshman season for Georgia last year the best UGA freshman performance since Herschel Walker? I believe it was, right? I mean, um, I guess the next one that would come close would have been Nick Chubb as a freshman in 2014. That was not even in a full season, and he didn't really start getting heavy carries until the Todd Gurley suspension took shape. But the Chubb 2014 season probably comes close. But, yeah, I mean, Bowers is right there, right? I'd be curious to have you all weigh in on that. Where do you think Bowers' performance as a freshman last year ranks for Georgia since Herschel's magical freshman season in 1980. The Chubb season comes to mind. What else would be in that discussion? I guess maybe the girly freshman season too. Um, that's good. That's a good question. I also think it's interesting to kind of note where Bauer's year ranks in terms of the program's history when it comes to pass catching. I mean, obviously it's the greatest season for tight end. But this is one of the things I felt like we were a little early on. I felt like we kind of arrived at this and noticed this when it was still a relatively early phenomenon, that it was fairly obvious relatively early in the season that Bowers was heading for um, as prolific a pass-catching year as any Georgia player had in quite some time. And it's fairly early, you know, fairly obviously, you know, early in the year that he was going to be the most prolific pass-catcher of the smart era. And there aren't too many guys in the history of the program who've caught the football better than Bowers did a year ago. So proper context for that I, I do think matters. That at some point in time, it just became obvious, you know, this wasn't just a, hey, kind of a hot shot freshman or pretty good for a tight end or whatever else. That this was, 
one of the best pass catching seasons in Georgia's history, and that Bowers, regardless of position, was one of the best players in the country. That that you had to kind of re sort of reconsider how good you thought Bowers was based on the just the gargantuan stat line he put up. Also on Friday's show, we talked a little bit about Trevor Manage picking uh, Oregon to beat Georgia, or at least suggesting as a possibility. Got some uh, harsh criticism for that, as you might imagine. C- uh, ZBP1947 says, Trevor Manage is an anti-SEC, pro-Pac-12, uh, Big Ten guy. The only team he begrudgingly will give credit to is Alabama. He says, as for ESPN, they just plain suck, which uh, it's kind of funny that our comment section I guess bleeps that out. He says, when you have a jealous uh, tech grad that leads your recruiting analysis, they're not worth paying attention to. He means, um, what's his name? Tom Luganbill on that. He says, go to 24-7 or Rivals, and the composite is skewed by ESPN's terrible rankings. He says, also, did you see they had last year's Georgia defense ranked 17th? Is that the one where they ranked the best defense of all time? I don't have the ESPN paywalls. I couldn't read the story. Uh, But did they really only have the 2021 Georgia defense ranked 17th? If so, that's pretty ludicrous. That's pretty ludicrous. Now, you know, the greatest of all time is certainly in the eye of the beholder. But 16 defenses ever better than that? I would suggest probably not. Um, E-Rock also said that Trevor Match was once guilty of pushing the Paul Johnson's a genius narrative. So if that's the case, that maybe explains some of the issues that he's had there. Uh, So uh, good comments. Fun stuff. And we're going to have a fun week getting back to the business of talking Georgia football with practice on hand. Of course, that's a business we never go out of. We've been doing it all offseason long. But the preparations for the 2022 season begin in earnest here this week. So we're very excited about all that. And we're glad to have you with us as we do it. It is Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. This is our R.S. Andrews Cooldown. Y'all find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com. And if your water heater goes out, in many cases, they can replace it for you the same day because they got you covered for all your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. So trust them for that. Trust us. We'll be back here tomorrow, and we'll look forward to talking to you then.